Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Go ahead and grab a seat. If you don't have a Bible, uh, also Biblay, right? Uh, they are over. There's a table right over here with some. Um, Landon, can you go ahead and grab some of those? If you need a Bible, can you just slip your hand up real quick? And we can turn off um, this one. I'm sorry, Misty. That's perfect. Um, if you need a Bible, just slip your hand up. If you don't have a Bible, like you don't own one, this is our gift for you. If you have a buddy who you think would like a Bible, take it, okay, and give it to them. So if you need a Bible, just go ahead and raise your hand. If you uh, turn in your Bibles, if you, once you get them to Matthew 11, Matthew 11, leaders just kind of be on the lookout and help people who might not know where that is. Matthew chapter 11. Um, Kendra, there should be like an image right below the songs. If you want to click that up, it's okay. If not, no worries. Misty, are we recording? Are we good to go? Perfect, perfect. Um, okay, so turn in your Bibles to Matthew 11. Um, we are, boom, that's perfect. We are going to do something a little different this week at camp. Usually in camp we go, you know, through the book of James, which was amazing, or through uh, conversations with Jesus, or um, I'm trying to remember all the stuff we've done. You know, we've gone through the book of Philippians here at PVN. This week we're going to do something a little bit different. Picture like a, a wash rag, right, that's wet. Now picture just wringing it out, wringing all the water out of it. We're going to go through Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. So just three verses, 28, 29, 30, yep, three verses. And we're just going to wring it out for all that it's worth, okay? We're going to wring it out for all that it's worth. Zeb, can you show her how to do the Bible up here? It's already loaded. Um, can we just give a quick hand for Kendra and Zeb? Just run in the back. A family affair. A family affair. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. And I'm going to read it, and then we'll talk for a little while. Cool? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Here we go. Jesus says this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest. What's that word? Everybody say it for me. One, two, three. You will find rest. That's awesome. For your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. So that's where we're going to be all week. Um, we're only doing three nights of teaching. I'm teaching tonight. Brian is tomorrow. And then I'll close this out on Thursday. But I think that's going to be more than enough time to wring it out. So, and I want you guys to remember this. So if you're a highlighter or a note taker, miracle worker, promise keeper, uh, if you want to do that, thank you, thank you. If you want to do that, I, I would. I would go ahead and underline these verses or highlight these verses and maybe write it at the, I don't know if you can see this. This is my Bible, just kind of, you know, I just take notes and just like put things that I want to remember I put my phone number here in case anyone lost, if I lost this. Um, but, you know, I just put, just put notes here of things that I want to remember. And that may be something that you want to do, is underline Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, um, and, and put the note at the beginning of your Bible. And maybe as, a, as a, a key word that kind of trips your memory, you know, you may want to write gentle and lowly. Okay, gentle and lowly. And it's in that, it's on a big picture up here as well. Um, so Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, here's why I want to talk about this with you guys. Because if we can be honest, um, Christianity hasn't really sounded that great this year. 
It seems like Christianity has been more about come, come to me, everyone who's angry, and I'll make you angrier. Uh, come to me, everyone who's questioning, and I'll just make you more confused. Um, come to me, everyone who is stressed, and I will be sure that I just compound your anxiety and make it that much worse. We keep looking for answers in all these different places to how bad things seem to be getting. And one of the places that I do this too, one of the places maybe we look for answers is, is in our phones. But as soon as we, you know, maybe you're stressed, right? And you pull out your phone and you just spend an easy six and a half hours on TikTok real quick, right? And then you, but then you look up and it's like, oh my gosh. But as soon, or, or Instagram or, or whatever, I don't know, you're PVN kids, so reading the news, whatever PVN kids do, right? And, but as soon as you put the phone down, you kind of start to feel that stress creep back in. Does that make sense? Life is still there. Life is still waiting. You just kind of hit pause. We haven't fixed anything. We've just kind of hit pause. Or we, we look to the weekend to solve the problem, oh, the weekend's coming. But once Sunday afternoon gets here, right, you start to feel that Monday's coming. Here we go again. And you start to feel that stress build in your stomach. You start packing to leave on vacation, but then that worry starts to creep back in. And then we realize that trying to fix these things with our phones, trying to fix these things, and there's nothing wrong with your I'm not going to tell you to throw your phone away. It's not one of these things, right? But like... You know, we try to try to fix it using our phones, trying to fix it by going on vacation, trying to fix what's really going, look at me, what's really going on by getting to the weekend is like putting a band-aid on cancer. We don't need any more distractions. What we need is a cure. And, and not just from anxiety, although that's certainly here, but from our sins. I know this, this anger I feel all the time is not good. I need a cure for it. I know this lust that pulls me every single day has got a vice grip on me and I can't get out of it. This worry that I wake up with every single... As soon as I wake up, it's like, oh man, here, here it comes. Here comes everything that I'm stressed out about. This is no way to live. So what should I do? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I heard a pastor say it like this one time. Look in and you'll get depressed. Look out and you'll get stressed. But look up. And you'll be blessed. Let's put it on the t-shirt, right? Look in and you'll be depressed. Th this idea of you just need to dig deeper. You just need to be the best you that you can be. I don't know about you, but I've dropped my phone in the toilet more times in the last year than I care to admit to everybody. I don't think it's going to be... Uh, I don't think I need to dig deeper into me. Does that make sense? I don't think that I can be the key... To I hope I'm not alone in that. Maybe that's okay. But, like, but I, I know everyone's like, okay. Um, it was just an example. Um, but I don't think the key is going to be in here. In fact, the more I try to fix myself, the more it just stresses me 
out. Do you get like, have you ever gotten like lost in your own head? You know what I'm talking about? Like you stress about something that's coming and, and the stress is arguably worse than the thing itself. That's what happens when you look in, okay? And a lot of churches and a lot of places will teach you to look in and how to be a better you, but you are not doing so hot, right? And look out into the world and you'll be stressed. It is tough out there. Um, I've got, and this isn't, again, this isn't like Woo-hoo. But like I've gotten rid of my social media because it either just made me angry or it stressed me out more. Like I can't listen to grandma on Facebook anymore. I just can't do it. Like I'm just I've just hit my limit. And it's not my grandma doesn't have Facebook. Juanita does not have a Facebook. Um, but like I think some of you can relate a little bit. Like I just can't do it anymore. Um, Instagram I was on it all the time. Like I would literally scroll through everything, close out Instagram, and then open it right back up. And I was like, wait a minute, I was just here. Like, and so I got out of that. And then Twitter is, I mean, Twitter is just, it's just awful. It's just horrible. Um, uh, and again, if you have those things, that's fine. I'm just telling you, if that's where you're putting your hope, it, it's not going to get better. Does that make sense? It's gonna, if anything, it's going to stress you out more. Okay, But look up and you'll be blessed. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Now, Jesus says this. This is Jesus. Come to me. Okay, Jesus starts this conversation with you. Come to me, everyone who labors and is heavy laden. Now, this is what we need to see. It's not just Jesus like standing there, like light shining. There's sheep, uh, there's sheep around. And he, and he just says, come to me. Th- there's more to it than this. Now, we've got to think about who Jesus is. Uh, I have a nephew named Hudson who's six, and we took him to this splash pad. You know what I'm talking about, where water comes out of the ground? Where it come, I don't know where it's from, but we took him to this splash pad in Calhoun a couple weeks ago. And you know, to a six-year-old, everything is amazing, right? Like, everything to a six-year-old is amazing, right? Like, the best thing, you have, you, like a bag of chips, Oh, you know, like everything is awesome. And I'm kind of jealous of that, like a little bit, you know. As soon as we get there, as soon as we get to the splash pad, and again, it's like, it's like three little poles, and like, it's definitely free, you know what I'm saying? Like, and water's just coming out of the ground. And he gets this huge smile on his face, and his, and his adrenaline starts pumping, right? And, we're, and while we're putting sunscreen on him, he's like, he's like shaking, like he's so ready to go, Right? And finally, we let him run to the splash pad, and he just like sprints all over, like we're timing him. Like he sprints all over this thing for like 30 minutes, like screaming in a good way, and like making friends and splashing around, you know. And then he runs, now now think, now think, here we go. And he runs, he has all this joy, and out of all this joy that is literally just like pumping through his soul, he runs back to me and Kristen with this big smile in his face. And he, says, and he says, this is awesome. Come on. You have to come with me. Come on. Come on. Now see this. All the joy in him bursting out of him makes him say, come on. You're going to experience this too. Come on. He's not commanding us to do this. This joy he feels, this joy that Hudson feels, listen, listen, the joy that Hudson feels is so full that it just bursts out of him through his mouth to say, you've got to share this with me. What does this joy in Hudson's heart look like? It takes the form of, you've got to share this with me. That's the spirit of Jesus' heart when he says, come to me. 
All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's not just this this doctor who isn't going through what you're going through. He's just recommending the pills that you need to take. Jesus is this when he tells you. This is the spirit of Jesus' heart. It's not a command. Listen, you can command people to do stuff even though you don't really feel it. Does that make sense? You can command people to do stuff, but you don't really feel it. It's just your job to command people. Like imagine you're dying of thirst. Okay, Imagine this. You're dying of thirst, and there's still a puddle of water right here, but it's like been sitting for a long... It's got like that weird filmy stuff on top. Like You can drink that if you want to, but it's not what you hoped for. But then imagine a fountain of cold water busting out of the ground as much and as cold as you want. That's the difference here. This isn't, when Jesus says, come to me, this isn't the memory verse, Jesus, come to me. This isn't some lukewarm, have to from Jesus. This is joy. Remember, it's busting out of Hudson for us to be, for, for Kristen and I to be here. It is bursting out of Jesus. This joy that he has, this rest that he can give is bursting out of him and he's telling you, you can have this too if you'll just come to me. You can have this rest if you'll come to me. You can have this fullness if you'll come to me. And it's not a command like, like, Brianna, come with me and I'll take you to the joy. Jesus is the joy. Katie, come to me and I'll show you where the rest is. No, Jesus is the rest. This is rest itself asking you, come and rest here. This is water itself asking you to come and drink. Jesus knows what he's talking about. Now think about it. Of course it's not a command because look, come to me all who are labor and are heavy laden. You're already weary and heavy laden. Weary means, or all who labor, this isn't just everyone, come to me, everyone who has a job, and I will give, that's not what this means. Weary is this idea of working until you're exhausted. Come to me, everyone who has been working until they're exhausted. Now, this isn't like, okay, Ryan, I'm in seventh grade. I don't really have like a lot of employment opportunities, so what is this verse? This is about doing life. This is the wear and tear that life puts on you, right? Weary here means to work until exhausted. Now listen, it also means weary with work or grief. If there ever was a verse for 2021, weary with work or grief. You know how stress drains you emotionally? Does that make sense? how stress drains you, how it zaps your energy, how it takes your appetite away. Listen, that's what this means. Jesus is talking to you here. This isn't some weird spiritual, we're all going to meditate here kind of thing. This is literally, Jesus is talking to us as life has just grinded you down slowly, time after time after time, and you're just kind of at the end of the rope. Jesus says, you're exactly who I want to talk to. You're exactly who I want to talk to. The stress in your family has just zapped you of everything you have. I want to talk 
to you. Now here's what's arguably even cooler. Weary labor, come to me all who labor, and are heavy laden. Okay? Heavy laden. Heavy, it means, it means carrying a load that's too heavy. I don't know if you can relate. Come to me, all of you who life has grinded you down, the future is stressing you out to no end, and it feels like you're carrying more than you can handle. I don't know if you can relate. It means another word for this in your version, it might be overburdened. Like if you're a note taker, you may want to write that down. Someone who's carrying more than they can handle. Some examples. You don't like your boss at work, and they're not leaving anytime soon. So you're stuck in that situation. Your family is going through a really difficult time and you A, have no way out of it, or B, there's no way that you can help with it. So you're just pinned in there. Does that make sense? I remember, uh, a couple of you guys remember because I cried my eyes out back here a few years ago, but I remember when Kristen's dad passed away, um, my wife, when her dad passed away, there was nothing I could do. Like I'm sitting in the hospital bed watching, or I'm sitting in the hospital room watching this happen, and I called my dad, and I was like, "What am I, what am I supposed to do here?" And he was like, "You just got to be there, just be there, just be there, because there's nothing, there is nothing that I could do to help." But this word doesn't just mean. Now here's where this is so important. This word heavy laden doesn't just mean weighed down by life, listen, it also means weighed down by sin. Sin is also in Jesus' mind here, okay? Weighed down by our sin. Sin that you just cannot get out from under no matter what you try. Again, I don't know if you can relate. Sin that you cannot get out of. Um, Self-obsessed worrying. Everything you do, the glass is half empty. Everything you do. And, and, it's not, and, and you, you just can't stop. You can't stop thinking about it like that. You can't get, or maybe the future, you can't stop worrying about the future. Every day when you wake up, you feel that stress start to creep back in. Lust. Every time we're by ourselves, lusting. You know what my least favorite day of the week is? Friday. Because Friday is my day off. And I know that sounds like, well, that sounds like an insane person would say that. And I understand that. But Kristen is at work teaching, and I'm by myself. And lust is right there. As soon as I get out of my bed, knocking on the door, waiting on me. Every single time. Or maybe it's harsh anger. It's okay to be angry. We talked about this a few, a few months ago. There is good anger, but there is also very bad anger. Um, arrogance. Evil. It's just, just the air that we breathe is just, is, we're surrounded by sinfulness. How can we escape from these things? Come to me. All who labor to, to get ahead in life and just can't. All who labor to break out of their sin that they know they have to break out of or they'll go to hell, but they can't get out of it. Come to me all who are heavy laden, weighed down by life and trauma and anxiety slash sinful habits that they can't break. Come to me all who, are, all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you 
rest. Jesus doesn't impersonally, coldly give these people a self-help plan. He doesn't roll his eyes and offer you a cup of water. Listen, he is the water. He is the solution. Come to me and I will give you four steps to... No. Come to me and I will give you rest. I am, Jesus is the rest. He is the peace. I, Jesus is saying to you, I am the hope you can have so that your worry isn't so scary anymore. I'm the discipline you need so that your brain won't wander into lust anymore. I am God so you won't feel arrogant anymore. You'll feel these chains start to break and fall off of you. When Jesus says, come to me, it's like water itself inviting you to come and drink. Don't you hate it when you're stressed? Like when you're stressed, what's the worst thing someone can tell you? You need to relax, okay? Can you just relax? And it's like, oh, I, I didn't even, I would never have gotten there. Thank, wow. Like, like, I know, I'm aware of the solution to the issue. I just can't get there, right? Like, I, I'm stressed. I want, I want to relax, but I can't get there. And also, this is fun too. Don't you hate it when you, and you'll see this more maybe if you get into college, as you, if you get to as you get into college, but like, if you're struggling with singleness, and who better to give advice than married people? And they're like, look, man, or, or girl, or whatever. They're like, look, singleness is a gift. It's a gift from the Lord. And it's like, you're married. Thank you so much for talking to me about this part of my life that doesn't apply to you at all anymore. Like, people who are in no way in, who, who, who in no way are feeling what you feel are trying to tell you, does that make sense? Like, people who are away from your situation are trying to help you. But listen, with Jesus, it's not like that. Imagine peace itself. Not, not, not someone who's like, you need to calm down. Well, that doesn't help me. Now, but imagine peace itself coming to calm you. Imagine joy itself coming to make you happy. If you're keyed up, I can tell you to go to bed, but that's not going to help you sleep. Does that make sense? Like, you know you need to go to bed. And now we're getting to that point in the evening where you're starting to stress about the fact that you can't get to bed, which makes you stay up later, right? You know what I'm talking about? But now, now if I tell you go to bed, that's not going to help you. But imagine if rest itself covered you, how quickly you could fall asleep. When Jesus says, come to me, it's not like, come to me and I'll show you where you can get. No, come to me and I'll give you rest. Rest itself is telling you that. When Jesus says, come to me, he knows that he is what you've been looking for. He's the key to your anxiety. He's the solution to your anger. He is the cleanser of your sin. He's the cleanser of your sin. People who are weary and heavy laden don't need another command lopped on top. Does that make sense? 
They don't need it. And Jesus knows that. Look at 1120, or yeah, 1129. Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. So he's told us, come to me who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Now he opens it up to explain it a little bit more. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you. Well, that sounds like he's just putting another command on us. Does that make sense? Take my yoke upon you. Do this now, right? Do this now. He's putting something on you, but it's not what you think. Listen, here's what this is like. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, picture like, first of all, a yoke. There are no eggs involved here, okay? A yoke is like when an ox is working in the field. It's like this big collar that they put on the ox so that it'll stay while it works. Does that make sense? This doesn't sound super relaxing, Jesus, okay? Does that make sense? Come to me and let's do farm work together, right? Take my yoke upon you. What does Jesus mean? Here we go. Imagine, how can you put something on someone and it is helpful to them? Here's the example. Imagine you're drowning, like you're drowning, like it's not a good situation. You're drowning and the lifeguard comes and while you're sinking, he puts a life jacket on you right? Oh, great. I'm sinking, and now you're just going to put something else on me here. No, no, no. You see what I'm saying? God, I can't do this. I can't defeat my sin on my own. I can't manage this job that I hate on my own. I can't navigate my complicated family on my own. Listen, Jesus knows that. He knows you can't do this on your own. When he says, come to me, I will give you rest. Notice, it's free. When you're drowning, how do you get that help from a lifeguard? You just throw your hands up and you ask him for help. And you ask the lifeguard for help. Listen, you don't have to trade anything. You don't have to earn your keep. The whole point, listen, the whole point is that you can't. See, we, we know this. Like, you know that. You know Jesus loves you. His grace is free. But we live differently than that. Because it's hardwired into us that we have got to earn it. Your, your life as a Christian, as you continue to grow, ask the adults this, your life as a Christian, as you continue to grow, is Jesus, one after the other, unwiring that part of your brain that says you have to earn it. Over and over again, you're going to say, I know you love me, Jesus. And then you're going to go back into trying to earn it. I know you love me, Jesus. And then you're going to go back into trying to earn it. And he's got to show you, one way or the other, that you can't earn it. That His grace is free. That what you have to do is ask for help. Imagine if you were drowning and you were trying to trade with the lifeguard before they saved you. Jesus puts the, His yoke on you. He puts the life jacket on you and the burdens begin to lift. You don't have to earn your keep, and the whole point is that you can't. If you're weary and heavy, now think about this. 
If you're weary, that means you're tired. If you're heavy laden, your hands are full, you have too much to carry. So what's the only thing that you can give Jesus? Your burden. That's the only thing left that you have to give Him is the stuff that is stressing you out. The sin that you cannot let go of. That's all that's left. That's the only thing in your hand. And that's what Jesus wants. Why does Jesus want your burden? Because water is most fully enjoyed not by people like you and me who have bottles of it in the fridge. Water is most enjoyed and appreciated by people who are dying of thirst. With Jesus... His grace is fully enjoyed and He is most fully glorified. The bigger your burden is. The bigger your burden is. The worse things are going for you, the more and more Jesus is sprinting towards you full speed. So what do you have to lose? The worse the sin in your life, the more glorious Jesus becomes. Think about it like this. When a child is suffocating, does the child's dad want him to take short, measured breaths of the oxygen? No. Breathe as deep as you want. Take all that you want. That's Jesus' grace being offered to you for your sin, but also for your stress. Look at verse 28. Verse 28. Come to me. Jesus starts this conversation. Do you see that? He doesn't wait for you. Jesus, and and that's a good thing. Jesus starts this conversation. We avoid difficult situations. Does that make sense? Is that fair? We don't prefer it. We, you kind of like, you know, we kind of awkwardly kind of moonwalk away from the bad situation, Okay. Not only does Jesus not avoid the tough situations, he's drawn to them. He is drawn to the tough situations. Now think about that. He's drawn to them. He wants, send me the tough ones. Send me these. You may know know this story. Think about this. Church kids, lend me your ears. In Mark 5, Mark chapter 5, there's a woman with a bleeding disorder. Do you remember this? There's a woman with a bleeding disorder, and none of the doctors have been able to fix it. And Jesus is being crowded by hundreds of people. The crowds are pushing in on him. And this woman, who is ceremonially unclean, who no one else can be around, she reaches out. You remember this? She reaches out and she touches Jesus' robe. And what happens? She's healed. And what? Now it's like, oh wow, and it is amazing. But what does Jesus do in that moment? Do you remember this? What does Jesus do? He stops the whole parade. And what does he ask? Who touched me? I felt power go out from me. Who touched me? Listen, he's not angry. Think about what we've just been talking about. Don't you see? 
His healing power was used, and he wants to know who it was. He's drawn to the person who is asking for help. He's drawn to them. He's not sitting there tapping his whatever, you know. He's not some diva who touched my robe, as if it's not already covered in dirt, right? He wants to know. If you touch, now think about this. He felt the power go out from him, meaning, meaning his energy level went from here to here. If you touched something, right? If you touched something and immediately it wore you out, you and I might pull back because we know that if you touch it again, it's going to zap more energy out of you. Jesus is the opposite. He felt this woman pull power from him, and instead of saying, Peter, we got to get out of here, he's drawn towards her. He wants to talk to her, spend time with her. This is what gets him out of bed in the morning. This is what gets him excited. Listen, your brokenness is what draws him to you. Your sinfulness is what not only he will take it off your shoulders, but he can't wait to do it. He can't wait to take it off your shoulders. If a doctor is in the far reaches of a country giving out medicine, and the people start taking the medicine and feeling better, is the doctor going to be like, oh my gosh, this is all my stuff? No. That's why he's there. For them to take and to get better. Jesus is never going to forgive my sin. Jesus doesn't care about my anxiety. Friend, that's why he's here. That's why he came. For your anxiety, for your, for your sin, for the stuff in your life. And I'm not trying to be some self-help guru by bringing up anxiety over and over again. But it's a part of what we live in. And it's ridiculous to think that Jesus doesn't care about that. But the biggest problem we have is our sinfulness. And Jesus is drawn to these situations that you can't get out of. You have, listen, listen, listen. You have nothing to lose except your burden when you come to Jesus. You have nothing to lose except the thing that's weighing you down and stressing you out. Come to me. Jesus has already started the conversation. He's already turned his eyes to you. Now here's the crazy part. Listen. Here's the part of the sermon where I'm supposed to say, are you going to ask him? Are you going to ask Him to take your burden away? Psalm 34, 18. Can you guys turn there real quick? Psalm 34, 18. And I'll turn there too. Solidarity. Psalm 34, 18. And I want you guys to see it. Now, as you're turning there, Psalm 34, verse 18 I want you guys to remember what we just said. How Jesus is drawn to you. He does, not because he has to. Not because he's being told by some meta-divine boss that we don't know about. 
Not because he feels, not because he roll, he, he's not going to roll his eyes. He is drawn to your brokenness. What does Psalm 34 verse 18 say? Psalm 34 18 says this. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Listen, it doesn't say the Lord is near the brokenhearted who ask Him. The Lord is near the brokenhearted who are going through, who are praying it the right way. The Lord is near the brokenhearted as long as they're in church. As long as they have two or more wanted medals, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. No. Again, listen, listen. We have missed Jesus' heart if that's what we think. You, look at what it says. Look at what it says. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. There are no other circumstances except you're struggling. That's it. Your broken heart is what draws Him to you before you even open your mouth to ask Him for help. He, he, has a, he has a sense for it. He's drawn to it. You're broken. The thing that's going on in your life that you can't get out from under, that's, He's on His way right now. Listen, let me just share some light with you here, guests. You're not here because your friend invited you. Those of you who have been here a long time, you're not here because mom and dad brought you. You're not here because you drove you. You're not here because you heard the right thing in the announcements. As if anyone listens to the announcements. You're not, you're not here because of those things. Listen, listen, listen. He's God. If He didn't want you here, you wouldn't be here. You're here because God has ordained you to be here. God doesn't care about my broken heart. You're probably right. That's why He's bringing you to a camp where this is what we're talking about all week. You really think He doesn't care about what's going on in your family? You think he really doesn't see what's going on at night when you're in your room? You think he doesn't know? You think he doesn't care about these things? He's drawn to these things. He wants to help you in these things. That's why you're here. He wants to get you out of these things. Jesus knows how to handle brokenness. Let me close with this. There are instances where Muslims aren't even allowed to say Allah's name. The Quran is always supposed to be held in an elevated position. It can't touch the floor. Does that sound like a God who is drawn to brokenness? Buddhism is about achieving enlightenment, moving up the ladder. Brokenness is the polar opposite of Buddhism. Allah was never betrayed by his friends. Allah never had a sleepless night. A Buddha was never tied up and taken to his death. All three of those things happened to Jesus in the same chapter of the Bible. Listen, Jesus doesn't just heal your brokenness. He takes it from you. Now, now listen, not a trick question. 
You have brokenness on your shoulders. You have sinfulness on your shoulders. If Jesus takes that sinfulness from you, who's holding it all now? Jesus is. Isaiah 53.6 All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned all of us to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the wickedness of us all. Laid it on Him. It's got to go somewhere. A doctor may heal your disease, but he doesn't take your disease. Does that make sense? Jesus Christ is the ultimate healer. Listen, because he take, He's better than a self-help book. He's better than like a TED Talk on YouTube. He's better than these things. Listen, because... He takes our worry, our sin, our job loss, our broken family, our stress. And he doesn't just say, take two of these pills or follow these four steps. He takes the burdens off all of our backs and puts them on his own. Only the God-man can do that. And he let our burdens seal him to the cross. And he died with them on him. And then he rose from the dead without them. They stayed dead. And he didn't. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we have hope today in our burdens. We can take them to Jesus. He died and rose to ensure that we will not have to carry them forever. Um, picture like an old dog that's really loud, but it can't actually hurt us anymore. That's what your problems and your sins are in light of Jesus and the cross. They've been defanged. Our whole goal this week is to rest in and celebrate the love Jesus showed for us and what he did to take our burdens to the cross. And that's our goal this week is that you would start to take these sins, to take these burdens that are going on in your life, and not just looking in your phone or your computer or your TV or the weekend or the vacation. Those things are all great, but they're not. it's never going to make it better. And you guys know that. For you to start this week taking these things to Jesus. Let's pray.